You know, here's my conviction just before I jump in today that uh, it is this, that the people of God at IPC are deepening in their understanding and experience of worship. Everybody agree? And if that is indeed the case, I think Aaron agrees, but if that indeed is the case, you know what, we are growing into spiritually mature followers of Jesus step by step by step, and we are becoming people who are living passionately to see the kingdom of God come in every area of life. It's happening, and I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing. And we need to thank God for that. I want to begin a series with you this morning about how to succeed in life. How to succeed in life. You know, what do you do to get there? It's, 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 I believe, something that we all want. If I were to ask you how many people want to fail in life, I probably wouldn't see a lot of hands go up. Oh, let me fail. That sounds good. Let me in. That's what I want for my life. See, it doesn't matter what area. You know, if you're in business, <clears throat> you, <clears throat> excuse me, you want your profits to exceed your losses, right? You know, you can't have many years when the losses exceed the profits. You want to make money. That's why you're in business. You want to be able to provide for your family and buy some nice things. And as Paul says, I believe in, fa- in Ephesians, have enough to give away to the poor. Right? That's why you're there. You want to succeed. You know, the idea of, of um, any career that you might have chosen, you don't want to fail. You want to succeed. You want to do well. Kids who are in school, you know, they want good marks whether it's high school or university so that they'll open other doors for them in their future. If you're married, you want to succeed. You want loving and, 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 and good and, and rich relationships with a spouse. If you're a parent, you want to be able to parent your children well. You want to build into their lives in such a fashion that they thrive and prosper. You know, you could go on and on in so many areas of life. Think of our vision that I've described to you in part this morning. We want to succeed. We passionately want to succeed when it comes to doing what we, be- what we believe God has called us to do in these years. Yes, we want a thriving church with people who are on fire for Jesus. We want a serving church where people are going into the community and they're building relationships as they love others. And we want a growing church as we share our stories with those very people relationship which leads to the sharing of stories which leads to many people coming to Jesus. We want to succeed in our calling as a church. We don't want to fail. I don't know anybody who wants to fail. And the question um, comes, if you want to succeed in life, what do you do? What do you do? Um, I, I began thinking about this question as a potential sermon series when I was reflecting on my own and on another king of Judah, another good, godly, great king of Judah. Not Josiah, and we've looked at him from 2 Kings 22-23 in previous uh, weeks, but now we're going to give our attention to King Asa, 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16 for some weeks. Um, and, and as I looked at this man's life, I began to realize at least at the beginning of his life, he, he was incredibly successful. This was a successful reign. Nobody could look at it and say, oh man, that guy tanked. You know, you know how sometimes they do those with presidents. You know, this president had a successful presidency, and this president, you know, wasn't so successful or was a failure. We don't seem to do that so much with prime ministers, but it happens in the states. Here was a king. He was a leader of his people, and it was an incredible success uh, as, as he entered into the certainly the first half of his reign. We'll learn more about that later on. But you know, I want to. Look, I want us to look at his life, and I want to s- discover what it was in his life that led to such a success. And as I was processing these ideas, uh, a question came to my mind. And it was this, very simply, is this a biblical question? 
does God want us to succeed? Because there are people described in Scripture who were incredibly faithful. They didn't seem like they succeeded particularly well. You know, Jeremiah the prophet, have you read that book? He was a, he was a prophet preacher. He was, he was a godly man in the midst of God's people, and for a lifetime he called them to repentance and to faithfulness to God. And you know what happened? Nothing. You know, do, do we look at him and call him a success? Think of Jesus hanging on the cross. It doesn't seem real successful. Think of the apostle John, who was exiled, sent away from his people as a pastor to a little island called Patmos in the Mediterranean. How successful is that in the end of his life? Think of the Apostle Paul, ended up before Caesar, the king of the Romans, and likely, although we're not told, but history suggests to us he was executed after he appealed his uh, charge before Caesar as he was able to do as a Roman citizen. That doesn't seem real successful either, does it? Well, what I did is I went to Scripture, and, you know, as we are learning how to dig into the Bible, I'll tell you, I went, and I went to Concordance Online, and you can even Google it, you know, no big deal, and, and, and I just plugged in success or successful, and I looked at all the texts that used the word, and I want to read some of them to you. Uh, first of all, think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Genesis 39, 23, it says this. The warden of the jail paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Hmm. Sounds like at least in that instance, God wanted success in his life. How about this one? Speaking of uh, Joshua, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, this new leader of God's people. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. God speaking. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and, say it for me, successful. Interesting. Proverbs, this great book of wisdom literature, chapter 2, verse 7, says this. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today. Oh, that's Psalms. Can we get Proverbs in there? Probably my messy writing. Those guys are really fast back there. Let's see who gets there first. Come on, James, beat me. Two, verse seven. I got it. Oh. That's 17. Oh, I win. I win. <laughs> no, I'll wait for James. There you go. He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in blamelessness. You, do you hear that? He, God, holds success in store for those who are upright. That's awesome to me. And, and the more I look, the more I realize, you know what? God does want success in our lives. It is a biblical thing. So we're going to dig into this king's life, this King Asa, and we're going to read together from Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 14, and we'll start at verse 1. Before I do that, can I ask you this? Can you take out your Bibles? If it's on your phone, get it out. If it's a book, I want you to be students of the Word of God. Hmm, this guy's visionary. You know, I don't want you to come here on a Sunday morning and, oh, man, isn't this lovely, and, oh, isn't he saying nice things. I want you to dig into Scripture when you're here, and I want you to learn the stuff, and I want you to learn how to learn the stuff. And I want you to become a student of Scripture. So let's do that together, and at a very minimum, you know, if you've got your book, you can be writing notes, right? And if you want, you want to do it online, make notes. Like, let's dig in together, huh? 
And I'm going to read this first verse to you and see, um, see the context that we're, we're beginning to discover and the success that was there. And Abijah rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. And that's how often these new descriptions of a new king begin. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king, and in his days the country was at peace for 10 years. Now we can read that, that, that verse and think, oh yeah, well, that's nice. Not, and miss the profound reality that is described there because, you see, we are used to peace. We're blessed as Canadians because we don't have to experience war very much. But these people, it was a different context. It was a different reality. And for this uh, verse to be able to describe the first 10 years of Asa's reign as one of peace is a fantastic, remarkable success that he accomplished. Something was going on in this context, and success was seen in the reality of peace. Because you see, it, uh, King Asa, the people of Judah, again, they're living in a, in a very war, warrior-like context. Um, battles and wars happened all the time, and they were per particularly, uh, they were terrible dynamics. It was awful, especially if you lost. Then it became devastating. Devastating. You know, this past week I decided to watch a TV show that has, uh, I've seen lots of advertisings for it, was Vikings. I've seen the advertisements lots. And I thought, I'm going to watch Vikings. I'm a, I'm a history buff. I love history. And they've attacked England. And, you know, that's what went on. And that's, I think, what the story's mostly about. And I think I watched the last two episodes of this year's um, Vikings story. Uh, and in the last two episodes, there are two huge battles that take place. That's essentially what's going on. I think it comes to, a, from my sense, a climax. And you have brother fighting brother, brothers fighting brothers, to see who will uh, be prominent and who will be king and who will rule. And in these battles, both of them, both episodes, it reminded me of the brutality of war because it was brutal. I don't know if you, many of you have seen Vikings, but there are people getting killed like every time you turn around. And there's blood gushing here and limbs chopped off there. And, you know, it was actually so death-oriented, I probably won't watch it, watch it again. You know, to me, God is life-oriented, not death-oriented. But it did remind me of the brutality of war. It brought to life the reality of, the, of people in that context and in so many contexts prior to our own and distinct from our own where war was normal. Hand-to-hand -hand brutality that people experienced. And these people knew that reality. And again, I say especially if they lost, if they lost the war, uh, well, for, first of all, fathers killed, brothers killed, children killed, ch ch children left without fathers, you know, just on and on. And, and, and if they lost, there would be further slaughter of innocents. You know, the, then the plunder would be taken, as it was called in, in, is called in this text. All of their most valuable things would be carted away, and they'd be left with, in poverty with nothing. And there would be abuse of women, and there would be abuse of children. And then, to add injury to, to that further, many of the people of the defeated nations would be taken away to act as slaves for the victorious nation. War was a brutal reality then as if it's not now let me read you that again in his days the country was at peace for 10 years that my friends was success in huge proportion you know we read we read this and, and you know we we want to dig in and i want to suggest to you that what follows is a recipe for success now how did it come about let me read verse verse 2 i love this verse 
Do you read scripture sometimes and go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, Asa did what was right, good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Asa did what was right and good in the eyes of the Lord his God. Think about that. Ponder that for a little while. Because out of this dynamic, and we're going to hear how he did that in the verses that follow, out of this dynamic grew this peace, grew this blessing, grew this success. God blessed them with success as a result. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the dynamic. King Asa cared about the perception of God, the eyes of the Lord his God, how God saw things was what was incredibly important to him, and it determined how he functioned. It formed his life. It would have been really easy not to do that. It would have been really easy to do what the surrounding nations did because that's common and that's cool, right? It would have been really easy for him to listen to his courtiers, his, his counselors. Uh, many kings did that. It would have been most easy, I suppose, I suppose, for him to think that what he thought was right and good and to act in that fashion... But he didn't. He, he, he did what was right and good in the eyes of the Lord, his God. And I want to tell you, my friends, it would be really easy for us to do otherwise as well. You know, it would be really easy for us to do what the surrounding nations tell us to do. And they tell us to do a lot that is completely contrary to what God thinks, right? They really do. It would be really easy to listen to the experts, the counselors of our society, um, and let them determine our actions and our thinking. You know, Oprah? Uh, excuse me, President Oprah? Or, or Dr. Phil, I see he's still on television. M many, many people take their cues from such folks. Um, it would be really easy to, 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 to um, think about the, the society that we're living in, as I say. It would be really easy to, to, to take the norms of society and embrace them. It would be easy to listen to a spouse. Oh, I have a wise husband. Oh, I have a wise wife. Whose eyes? But you know, the easiest thing in the world to do is to think that what we think is right and good and to do that. That's just wired into human beings. It's just there. I think this, therefore. <laughs> Even though the Bible says really clearly, and I'm going to use a pretty strong word, but that sin has invaded the, uh, our, 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 our world and our lives and has influenced every c component of our being, including our rationality and our understanding. It has corrupted all of these things. But yet, somehow we think, well, I'll just do what I think is right and good. We'll, we'll be okay. Not so, my friends. The text just screams at us. You want blessing in your life? Do what Asa did. Do what's right and good in the eyes of the Lord. Because blessing is found there. Success flows, if you would, from that dynamic. Before I go on to describe what that actually meant and looked like, I want to read to you a famous verse, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, two verses. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust Him. Trust what He says. And lean not on your own understanding. Do you hear that, IPC? <laughs> oh, this is what I think is right and good. So What? Don't trust it. The Bible says, trust God and what God says. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Which means he will make life good for you. He will bless you. If you don't, if you don't have that verse memorized, will you go home and memorize it or those two verses? Those are profound uh, life-blessing verses. 
to take to heart. You see, we have to do things his way. We have to think his way. We have to hear from him. And it is out of that recipe for success that blessing will flow. And what did then did Asa do? Verse 3. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asher poles. Now, we've talked a lot about how Josiah did that, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it this week, but he didn't listen to the surrounding nations because that that's what the peer pressure was, you want to call it that. He did something different. Uh, he, he got rid of the idols. Verse 4, he commanded Judah, his people, to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. Um, you know, instead of seeking the idols, he said to his people, seek God. You know, and, and, and intentionally pursue God. You know, this word seek and what follows the word sought is an incredibly important word, or, or they are important words and concepts in these chapters. In chapter 14 and 15, either one of those words is used seven times. And then in verse 16, it's only used once and only in the negative, and that's where things kind of fall off the rails, where he did not seek the Lord his God. And, you know, for us to seek God is so incredibly important. If we want to find success, if we want to be blessed with success, seek his mind, seek his will, seek to honor God with your whole life, the text is saying, and you will know the blessing of success. And then it says, he obeyed God. He just did what God told him to do through his word. You know, he just heard from the Lord, and he was willing to say, God, you have spoken, you have commanded, I will obey I will humble myself under you and I recognize that you are wise and that you are good and that you are filled with love well beyond anything I can imagine and I'm going to do what you call me to do and it produced verse 5 which says this. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, a repetition of the same, and the kingdom was at peace under him. There's that word again. Peace. Whoa. What a fantastic thing. And then verse 6 clarifies, if we haven't caught it already, where peace comes from and why it comes. Verse 6, he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. You know, he kind of took all the opportunity he had to make Judah strong. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. The Lord gave him rest. The Lord gave him peace. And I want to tell you, it was God who provided this blessing in his life and in the life of his people. It was God who blessed him and them with peace and with rest. My friends, here's, here's what I observe in myself and observe in a lot of folks. When it comes to our success in life, we often think that we produce it. Think of any success that you've known in life. Where'd it come from? I've heard a ton of people say this, and I've said this a ton, work hard and you'll succeed. Kids off to university. So work hard and you'll succeed. And if success comes, who gets the credit? Those who work hard. Now, there's an element of truth in that. I understand that to be so. But, you know, we, we, we actually will come to a place where we might think, well, if I, have, if I have succeeded in whatever realm I have entered into, it's because I've worked hard. Ever heard this one? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And there are folks who go to great lengths to get to know the right people so that they will succeed rub shoulders with the boss and you know whoever else needs to be uh, brought on side and if we succeed we end up, well it's because I rubbed shoulders with the right people wasn't I smart you know look at me <laughs> but what does this text say this text says that success comes from God your God and if you have succeeded understand that here today 
whether it be in business or relationship, whether it be with parenting, no matter what it is, if we succeed with our vision, it's because God accomplishes it, not Chris Little or you or any elder or staff member, because we can't accomplish that. See, my friends, the dynamic is that we, we, we are entering into here is we have got to recognize who produces the blessing when it is given. And the Bible is here saying it comes from the one who was able to make it a reality. That peace was theirs in Judah because God gave it to them. Period. And then again in verse 7, if indeed anything has been missed to this point, let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. Let's make ourselves secure. The land is still ours. Why? Because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him. Notice that. Why does he say it twice? He, it's like it's smacking us in the face, right? We sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Life is good. Life is good. But then comes trouble. You ever doing life and everything is fantastic and everything is good and you know you're blessed and you have peace and rest and blessing abundant and then trouble shows up? Hmm, I see some heads nodding. Out of the blue, it's so it would appear. Let me read verses 8 to 10 for you. Are you seeing yourself in this? <laughs> Are you living this? Anyway, Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah equipped with large shields and with spears and 280,000 from Benjamin armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. That's pretty impressive, huh? Look at the army. Even this is good. Zerah the Cushite, mar Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands. Other translations say one million men. And 300 chariots and came as far as Merishah. <laughs> Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephatha near Merishah. Yeah, everything's going fantastically well. I got an army of half a million people. And so those blasted Egyptians show up, and they get a million people. And all of a sudden, King Asa and his once powerful-looking army is facing defeat in the face. <laughs> It's like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? You know, sometimes we do everything right and then trouble still comes into our lives. You hear that? Sometimes we do everything right under the blessing of God and trouble still comes into our lives. Um, and it can be fearful. 300 chariots on the other side. How many chariots does it say Judah had? Zero this newfangled, high-tech killing machine. And Judah had none of them. They had 300 of them ready to slaughter the soldiers of Judah. And I want to tell you, my friends, in that moment, all of a sudden, there it is, defeat, potential disaster, potential devastation, it's there. Um, at a minimum, they're engaged in war which they have not had to deal with for 10 years. At a maximum, they will be devastated and defeat. Um, question becomes, what do we do? What did he do in this blessed life, this life of, of, of blessing and of success? What do we do when significant trouble comes along? You know, sometimes people stand back, really common responses. People stand back when all of a sudden this happens, they say, God, why me? Oh, God, why me? Couldn't you have done this to somebody else? 
God, I've lived for you all these years, and then you let this happen to me? As if because we have lived in obedience and faithfulness, God owes us something. It's the assumption. It's not true. Um, and a lot of people think, God, are you punishing me for something I did 20 years ago? Too common, way too common, but it's there. And then probably the most common is this, God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? Left me alone and to face the Kushite army? <laughs> God, where are you? What did King Asa do? He, I want to tell you this, my friends, and I want you to hear it. In that moment, in that time of potential fear and potential doubt and, 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 and struggle, he sought the Lord. Let me read verse 11 to you. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, that's what he did. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Now that is a powerful verse. Because you, know you know what's going on here? What Asa does is he recognized, first of all, the power of God, the power and the might of God in this context against what seems to be, what seems to be an overwhelming and undefeatable army. And he humbles himself. <laughs> you know, he humbles himself to help the powerless. There's no one like you to help people like us against what is. He humbles himself in the presence of God. And then he invites the Lord into his crisis. Help us, Lord, our God. He just cries out to God and said, come and do what only you can do. Do what we need to do. And then the word relies there. He relies on God. He depends completely on the power and the capacity of the living God to bring him hope. He didn't rely on himself and his own cunning and the power of arms that, was, that were under him. He, he relied on God. He fully identifies himself with the Lord. We are relying on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. <laughs> you are our God, but you know what? Because of that, we are your people. And then finally, in faith, he gets into his mind the, the realistic dynamic as he considers the threat which is coming against his life versus the power of God. Don't let mere mortals defeat you. <laughs> Don't let that happen, God. They're just mere people. And I want to tell you, my friends, <laughs> in this moment, something incredible happens. Out of this seeking God, out of this calling on God, out of this recognition of who God is and what God can do, listen from, in, from verse 12 to 15, what happens? The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. Done. The Cushites, Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen on them. They looted all these villages since there was much plunder there. They also attacked the camps of the herders and carried off droves of sheep and goats and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. 
you know what's going on in this instance? When trouble came to Asa, it was simply a means to a more and greater, far greater success than he had known before. Isn't that awesome? I want to tell you, this is the testimony of Scripture. When we encounter what is fearful and difficult and terrifying and challenging, it is just a means because God is in our lives as we trust him. It is simply a means to something greater, something more successful, something that is way beyond what we have known before. Romans 8, 28, and all, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things, even the scary, terrifying dynamics of life that just appear, all things are for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, you know, in chapter 15, and we'll get there next week, or two weeks from now, actually, they sacrificed to God as a response to what God had done for them, 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats, which were, and I quote, some of the plunder that they had taken from the Cushites. It's like, are you kidding me? 700 cattle, 7,000 sheep, sheep and goats was just some of the plunder that they took from the Cushites. This is a resounding success. This is an overwhelming victory. This is blessing that it was given by God because God accomplished it for him. You see, what looked like and felt like impending disaster and danger became a smashing success. Anyone here right now who um, is facing what feels like an overwhelming problem that you can't defeat, that you can't win against, anyone looking defeat in the face, if you would, and you just don't know which way to turn? I want to tell you, if we will engage the Lord as King Asa engaged the Lord, he will use that and he will take us somewhere remarkable every time. And I want to say when this happens in life, if it's not right now, can I ask this? Let's not blame God for it. Let's not doubt him. Let's not blame ourselves thinking we're getting punished because that's not how God works. Let's not question if the Lord is present to us because he always will, is. Let, let us give ourselves with incredible intentionality to seeking him, to inviting him into our circumstance, to admitting our weakness and his strength, to relying on him, not upon our strength and our own capacity. And then let's watch what God does as he turns defeat into victory. <laughs> disaster into incredible success how many believe this here that this is what God does and that this is what God wishes to do for you I just want to wind down by reading again the first part of verse 12 which says this because I love it the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah have you known the dynamic of, of being in that difficult place but seeing God come in power and dealing with your issue in a way that is just remarkable have you experienced it have you have, can you imagine being King Asa can you imagine being the people of Judah it's like wow look what God did for me this is our God this God loves you as he loved the people of Judah. This God is powerful now as he was then. And this God is willing to intervene in your life just as he did in that circumstance to take you to a place of greater success than you have known before.
You might say, well, what about Jeremiah? <laughs> you know, what about Jesus? What about Paul? What about... Like, let's just think about this for a minute. Jesus hanging on the cross and dying. Was that success or failure? And I want to tell you, that was an incredible success. <laughs> the challenge came, the difficulty was endured, but it produced victory over sin and death. His death on the cross made it possible for you and me to have our sin forgiven, to become part of the family of God, to be blessed in ways that we were describing today because we have become precious children of the living God. And he rose from the dead. If he hadn't died, he couldn't rise. And he became the Lord of the living and of the dead, so the Bible says. The promise of eternity in that statement. See, Jesus' death might have seemed like failure, but it was an incredible success, a smashing success. Think about John and Patmos, that little island in the Mediterranean. You know what he did there? He wrote a chunk of the New Testament because that's exactly what God wanted him to do with his life. That's why God put him on Patmos. And you can read his stuff when you go home 2,000 years later. What about Paul, who was executed by the Roman Caesar of his day? Well, we don't exactly know that story, but what we do know is that while in prison, Paul was unable to witness to the Praetorian Guard. And people became Christians likely because of it. And he one day went before Caesar, and he told the story of Jesus. And we don't know what happened. Apparently, Caesar wasn't too impressed. But were others? <laughs> Only God knows that. And yes, he died, but he, that man lived his life for the glory of God. He sought God's will and God's desire. He lived in obedience to the Lord. And that man's life was incredibly successful from the eyes and the perspective of God. <clears throat> See, sometimes in the kingdom of God, success just looks different than otherwise. And in the end, what I just want, I want to say to you as we spend three weeks in total on this, my sense that everybody wants success in life. Everybody really does in whatever realm they might find themselves engaged. But we don't always know how to get there. We just don't. We don't know how to find it, if you would, but there's a recipe in this text, and it's simple. Root your life in the truth of the living God. Come into the presence of God through faith in the Lord Jesus. Become his. Give yourself to seeking God, his will, his, through his word. Understand his way. Live your life doing what is right and good in the eyes of God, and he will bless you. See, this is the means of blessing in life. This is the means of blessing in life. Not only in this life, in the life to come. My friends, you want to succeed? Today you've heard the recipe. Let's go make it happen, huh? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you uh, that we have a, a text like this. We have this incredible book, the Bible, to study and to dig into and to learn from. And uh, Lord, in this, in this text, we have this story of King Asa who, at least in this instance, just did it right. He lived as someone who was faithful before you. Um, someone who knew what it meant to seek you and to find you. Someone who knew what it meant to do what was right and good in your eyes. And Lord, so often, so often we, we think we know and we don't. We enter into and engage in sin and, 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 and we end up struggling and suffering because of it. And God, uh, we need forgiveness for that so often. And even right now, God, we just take a moment to confess our sin for when that has happened. 
But our God, there's promise here, there is hope here, there is instruction here for those who are simply willing to look at it and to learn from it and to listen to it. God, you call us to be people of great faith, to do what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord, our God, to seek you with all of our hearts, to seek your mind, to seek your will, and then just to put it into practice, just to do it in trust and faithful obedience. God, we pray that we can be such a people here at IPC, that we will not only seek you, but that we will live in obedient reverence before you. For God, as we do, we know that the blessing will flow from the throne room of God. We know that we will find success as you intend it to be found. We know that you will be with us and that you will act and that you will lead to greater success than we've ever known. God, help us to engage this truth. Help us to embrace this reality. Help us to base our lives upon this reality as King Asa did. Help us to find blessing, our God, as we seek to be faithful before you. And this we pray in the name of